Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Not all that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. Because righteousness governs the world. Come take a musical journey. From the suburbs of Long Island to the ghettos of Kingston. A heartbreaking overdose. A disturbing discovery. The last chance to redeem a stolen legacy. Broadcasting live and direct from the rolling red hills on the outskirts of Kingston, Jamaica. From a magical place at the intersection of words, sound, and power. The red light is on. Your dial is set. The frequency in tune to the Rootsland podcast. Stories that are music to your ears. In the reggae anthem Get Up Stand Up, the whalers sing, Not all that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. My friend Brian always dreamed he could make the world a better place. Maybe by me telling his story, he still can. Consequence Podcast Network presents Rootsland Season 1 Reggae Chunky Joe. Whole barrage of righteous people out there. Because sometimes the story is the best song. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast, and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.
Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for checking us out, making your way here. Hopefully you like what you hear enough to hit that subscribe button. Uh, I put out three interviews every single week, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So if this is the type of thing you're into, if you want to hear how it's all done by your favorite artists, hit that subscribe button. You can find us at all the usual spots. That includes iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, YouTube for the uh, video versions, anywhere you get your podcast from. Again, the Kyle Meredith with podcasts. And today I get to talk with Mr. John Bon Jovi. We're going to be diving into his new record called 2020. He'll tell us about writing topical as a witness of history. Uh, we'll compare his 80s and 90s output to the type of songs heard in this set uh, with songs about school shootings, uh, about the pandemic. It's a heavy record, but not without some lightness. Uh, but with that activism side of his life, we're all, I also want to hear about the uh, JBJ Soul Kitchen that he does to feed the hungry. He'll talk about the importance of volunteerism. And then on that flip side, he's got the, the latest single from it. It's got a brand new music video called The Story of Love. It uh, finds him digging into his childhood, reminiscing about family. Uh, we'll discuss the beauty and simplistic songs. And he'll tell us about his love of artists like Dire Straits, uh, David Bowie, The Beatles, and Bruce Springsteen. From there, I want to pivot and also get into his acting roles, you know, from Young Guns in the 90s to Sex in the City in the late part of that decade, over even to the cameos in, uh, in West Wing and 30 Rock. Uh, John's going to be talking about why that part of his career uh, never really took off how he wanted, but how it ended up influencing the music that he did write. So, without further ado, it's Kyle Meredith with Bon Jovi. Thank you very much for taking the time, giving me something to do. <laughs> <laughs> it is a real pleasure, and especially to be able to talk about uh, this new record that you put out in the world uh, just last year called 2020, uh, a very powerful statement uh, and, and still a fun record to listen to at the same time. It's, it's interesting that, you know, you're talking about some big world issues um, as you have throughout your career, but especially uh, on this record, but it also seems like a really personal record at the same time. Does it feel like a different record than what you've done at, at any other point? Because it sort of feels like that to me. Oh, sure. You know, I, I, part of a, an artist's career, you hope, is evolution. And so this is a part of that evolution. Um, and then 2020 was such a unique period in time that eventually when I decided that it should be this topical record, and I took the position that I was nothing more than witness to history. Um, it, it did become personal, but it had an overview of the, what was going on in, in the world around us. So it's, it's unique in that fashion and manner. Um, it's, it's my perspective, but I, I couldn't be judgmental. I needed to just bear witness. So that was the, the vantage point. Again, these are types of themes that you have hit on for years. I mean, we go back over 30 years when you're talking about Johnny on the docks, you know, and, and, and so on. But now it seems to me like you are a folk artist as much as a, a rock singer, you know, in, in this vein. I don't know if it feels like that to you, but this is this is one of those, you know, if it's probably not the right way to paint it. If Woody Guthrie were alive today, these are still the types of songs that he would be writing about in, in, in some sort of fashion. Well, that's the greatest compliment that you could ever pay the songs, and I appreciate that. But in in truth, I mean, sure, the, the times around 
us and or me during each of these periods in time wouldn't have been enough for me to write. Let me let me let me rephrase that. In, in 1984, when Runaway came out, you know, I was 21 years old. Uh, I had single-minded focus on being the lead singer in a rock and roll band. Yes, there was a social consciousness to that song because, in essence, those some kids were getting off the bus and the and the and and working the streets in front of that Greyhound station. And I was fortunate enough to be able to walk 11 blocks up to a recording studio where I was the gopher. You know, so yes, there was a social consciousness, but did I have single-minded focus of being in a rock band? Yes, there wasn't any more that I needed to write. Um, throughout the 80s, in the decadent years of Reagan and Bush the senior, I wasn't going to be writing about Ron Reagan. I, it just wasn't my calling. I, I was 21, 22, 25. So you give love a bad name and, and living on a prayer, in essence, were who and what I was and what I was going to say. But when you're 58 and you're living in the times of 2020, it's such an incredibly... <sighs> To, to a time that was testing all of us, how could you not write on a much deeper level? You know, the, 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 the worst thing to me would be to try to recapture You Give Love a Bad Name and, and try to relive the 80s. I mean, in, in these trying times, I think that would have been a disaster. But you still, you know, find a way to, uh, to make these songs as catchy and anthemic as ever in in that sense though well in in in, in as much that i write melodic choruses sure that's not going to change the subject matter you know george floyd and and gun control and a pandemic uh certainly weren't on the top of my list of things to write about in the mid 80s i think the other interesting point about what you're getting as far as the songwriter part of it goes is i believe there are more non-co-writes on this record than ever at no, this point. Well, not ever I, I but i usually hold them for the couple solo records or the blaze of glory uh, album. Mm -hmm. you know yeah I, I wrote most of this record eight of the ten by myself and i co-wrote two just because you know some of the chord progression stuff in the other two uh we're better suited with John Shanks uh, collaborating with me. You know, it, I guess that's the point where it does kind of make it that that more personal thing. I think that's why I'm hearing that in there because this does seem like, it, you know, and I'll say a little bit between what we're talking about here with, with the activism side of it too, because as you are being a witness to history, you know, a, as you're seeing this, it's not just, as we say, you know, walk in the walk. I mean, there is talk in the talk, but you get it in the songs. I mean, these songs that I think came later, uh, do what you can. Hmm. I mean, what a great, what a great song that is. First off, just compliment on what that is, what's going on. But was it a trick? Was it tricky to then work the pandemic into a song? Because that's not the most lyrical uh, subject matter, I guess. No, it's not. It wasn't tricky if you paid attention to rule number one, bear witness to history. No conjecture. Um, it, this isn't about me. It was about we. It was about watching the news and reading the paper and living life as we all were collectively. That was the one time and certainly in my life and probably I should, I, I think I can say in all of our lives collectively on the planet, we were doing something together other than breathing. So we were living through this pandemic, no matter who and what you are and where you come from we were living this and so from my perspective in in new york and new jersey 
I was able to bear witness to the story around me. And the, the Red Cross ship coming up the Hudson River was something I'd never seen before. But instead of saying, isn't it about me and look at this boat, I just simply said, and there comes the Red Cross up the Hudson. So it wasn't tricky if you just remembered rule number one, like a journalist, bear witness to history. Well, I say that you also uh, do what you can. And I'll bring up the uh, the uh, the JBJ Soul Kitchen at this point, because I know that's been a big part of your life, you and your wife's life for the past few years. How has that changed through all of this, through the pandemic? It hasn't changed. Actually, what it did was reinforce the mission and the need. Um, we started the kitchens over 10 years ago now, closer to 13, the first pilot program. So what happened in the pandemic was our model succeeds because of volunteerism. And our model is based on no prices being on our menu. But when you come and if you, Kyle, came and could afford to affect change directly, leaving $20 on the table, it covered the cost of your meal and someone in need. And if you were someone in need, you are empowered by volunteering and in essence, earning your meal. So with the volunteer aspect of our model taken from us and the opportunity for you to come and to put down a 20, for example, um, we were left to the core of it, which was somebody had to cook, someone had to clean. And that someone who was cleaning was me. I was washing the dishes, which is how it began some 13 years ago. And Dorothea took my picture. Dorothea is my wife. She took my picture and wanted to post it on social media to keep folks informed. Let them know that if you're in need, we're here for you. I think what she was asking me in retrospect was the time of the day and the day of the week that we would be open. But what I blurted out was, if you can't do what you do, you do what you can. And there I was washing dishes again. The next day I realized, well, there's a chorus. So I set out to write a song. And that one was pretty stream of consciousness. It, it wasn't too hard to write. Uh, it may have taken me a second day to get into the bridge, but the, the verse and the chorus came to me really quickly. And, and I was just bearing witness to what was going on. If you can't sing, do something to help the public at large. You know, and in my case, it was wash dishes. I, I was thinking back to when Obama uh, was running, maybe the first time and probably the second time too. I mean, he talked a lot about volunteerism and, and, and that became a big part. Um, you know, of course, I, I will admit at this moment, uh, you know, as, as we're homebound and everything, we don't get to do as much of that as we, you know, used to and would like to. But I do think that becomes one of the most important messages that you can put out there. And, and I, I'm not projecting anything towards you. I'm saying this as myself, but especially as we turn the corner here with the Biden administration that I'm very happy about, you know, it, I feel like that can get some of that can get back on track again. So, you know, what you're saying in this message, I do think is very important. I think it's important every day, all day, regardless of the administration or the times that we're in. It's, and I'll give you two seconds on where we were with, with the, the JBJ Soul Foundation, which uh, was founded in 2005 officially as a, an official 501c3. And we were building houses. And with the economic downturn in 2008, we realized that we needed to now feed the people in the houses that we had been able to built and created this model. So interestingly enough, throughout the course of my philanthropy, 
uh, oftentimes we'd get a lot of pats on the back. A little attaboy, you built houses, isn't that swell? Isn't that nice? And it was interesting to me because I think to myself, yeah, it is good. And that was my hard earned money. And those are the connections with the people that were making. But a lot of the kind of people that I had met were sort of like, yeah, attaboy. But when we started the restaurants, people's attention really peaked. And they would say, explain this again. And it was such a unique model. It really doesn't exist anywhere else. And Dorothy had dreamt the whole thing up. And we created these restaurants, the first one, the second one after Superstorm Sandy, the third one as a result of, of food insecurity on college campuses. And we were making a unique difference. Mm -hmm. And it was something that didn't take a scientist to find the cure. It was just sweat equity and a little bit of money. So here we were doing something that was necessary and easy to do on a daily basis. You know, you feel good if you write a check at the holidays and you say, isn't that great? I gave money to the soup kitchen. Well, guess what? People are hungry 365 days a year, but it's a, it's a pain that we can alleviate if we focused on it. And it doesn't take all that much and it crosses party lines and it doesn't care if you're black or white, young or old, Yankee fan or Met fan. You know, this is something that can affect anyone everywhere. And, and it's, it's really just a, a difficult issue that can be certainly worked on if, if not eradicated. So I'll go further down that path then uh, when you take go from a song like that to uh, Lower the Flag, which is one of the really powerful moments on here. How does that fit into the narrative of what you're talking about? Well, Matt, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a hot button topic, right? And it's something that's going to be different where you live than where I live and not necessarily with the entire electorate, but you know, your neighbor and my neighbor may not see eye to eye on that issue. And so you understand it. And so you listen to the differences of opinion. But again, here I was with a very difficult subject matter, having witnessed via the news, um, two shootings, one that happened on a Saturday night and one that happened on a Sunday morning. So when the reporter came on the news on the Sunday morning and reported that uh, a second one had happened, I thought he got the, the, the city wrong because I said, oh no, last night I went to bed, it, it was Dayton, Ohio, and this morning I wake up and it's El Paso, Texas, and I thought, oh, he got it wrong. And, he, and I realized, oh no, it happened again while we were sleeping. So I had to write about it. And again, without taking sides, I just wanted to bear witness to history and sort of pose a question. How would you feel if this was your family? And I have to just lower the flag again. And, and taking that position that it's going to happen again tomorrow. But how would you feel if this was your family? And, and not taking sides, just posing a question. It made for a strong song. And again, that song I, I, I worked on, worked on tweaking. But it was a couple of days later when I wrote The Bridge and listed the, the, the cities that were becoming commonplace where these things were happening one after another after another, that it, it really became the powerful song that it is. When I first heard it, not that it's a direct line through there, but it reminded me of Hey God, uh, the track that you'd put out in the mm -hmm. mid-90s, I believe it was something like that, which was quite a bit of a darker song, I think, for the moment. But I, I found that connection to those, you know, really. Yeah, thank you. Together. Thank you. Yeah, that one, it had several um, narratives, you know, in uh, guns and drugs, and, and if I remember correctly. But this one was specific to the issue of, of guns. Mm -hmm. 
had not even a, a, an essence of gun control or this just here's a state worker having to go out to the flagpole, lower the flag again. You brace himself for what's about to happen and then know that the next day they move on. That's just the way, you know, it is. It, as a songwriter, it, it, it must be interesting too, to, because again, bear witnessing to history, asking just a question still becomes politicized yep. uh, so easily. And I, I think, you know, I, and I know this, I'm in Kentucky, I'm in a blue city in a very red state, you yep. know, and, I, and, and most of my family are, are way more conservative. And I think, you know, the same people who are going out and karaokeing to living on a prayer probably hate this song at least you know, or something like that, you know, and how do, how do you react to that, you know, within your own fan base? Uh, I would be terribly arrogant and probably equally parts ignorant if I thought that my words should be valued more than somebody who disagrees with. And again, why I thought I could take this position throughout the album was that I never wanted to be the one pointing a finger, just having opened a conversation. And by bearing witness to history, I, I hope, I pray, and I believe that I, he's the bad guy. You know, you know let's all point the finger at the bad guy. I, I just, I, I wrote about things that were going on in all of our lives. I will tell you that truthfully, I, I did see, I don't read comments in the social media and I, I barely read a review of the album because truthfully, there aren't that many people writing reviews about albums anymore. <laughs> um, but um, with all that in mind, I did run into a wall at, at country radio with do what you can. And I was disappointed, but the reaction from some of the program directors was in fact, I don't want to play a song about COVID. My people aren't interested in that. Forget about the optimism and the message. The answer is no. And I thought, wow, if you can't do what you do, do what you can. Why is that political? It's not. But, you know, that was the opinion of the guy and he didn't want to play the record. Okay. My position simply was, I have to write these songs. Mm. I, I, I really did. I had to write them. And then I wanted to share them. And then I hope that you like them. And if you don't like them, I'm sorry, but that's okay. I had to say what I had, what I said. I'm not country radio, but I'm certainly glad that you are writing these songs right here. There is a flip side to the record because, you know, as we talk about a lot of heavier moments, there are lighter moments on here. And there are moments that probably would find an easier uh, path in that direction. It's your latest single that I'll bring up now with Story of Love. And again, just what a perfect sentiment in a song said so well, melody, sing along. And 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 you've got a new video for this that's uh, must have been interesting to put together uh, as far as nostalgia goes, because this is all clips of your childhood and your family, right? It is. Um, just to find that stuff was interesting and fun. And um, my brother went and sought it out at my parents' house and uh, and shipped me a ton of it. And then I, I weeded through it and uh, and sent some along to the video director because I had written this song about what became my family. And when it was finished, I realized that's about anyone's family. It's the circle of life. And uh, and then you had to be of a certain age to write a song like that. You had to have lived enough life to be able to feel like I'm in the middle of not only being a kid, but a, a young adult to not being the grandparent yet or, or at writing the last chapters of my own book. So here I am in this kind of crossroads where there's probably more days behind me than there are in front of me. And yet I'm still feeling, you know, vibrant and able to 
feel current and writing songs that I want to get on the radio. So anyhow, I, I write this song and I realize that it's a scrapbook of my life, but of anyone and everyone who would listen to it. And so, yeah, much like the rest of the topical songs of 2020, one of the topics was those days when you sat around your own home with family members for the first time, if not in a long time, maybe ever, that you spent that much time with, you know, not only your immediate family, but maybe your extended one. And, um, and, and had to think about what that meant. And, and so did I. Yeah, I'd ask what it's been like uh, being around your family without touring for that long. But what's it been like for your family to have you around that much? It was good. I, I think that we all got in, in a deeper understanding of each other. Uh, I know I did with my own kids and uh, and I hope they with with me. Uh, I know the younger ones who wouldn't have known any better because they're 16 and 18. They witnessed something in my work side of life that they'd never really seen before. I think that they got to watch the sausage be made. When they mm -hmm. watched me write, watched me leave the room, watched me go back to it, watched me curse it, watch, go back to it, you know, come back into the room, tell them about it, play them a version of a song. Especially my youngest, who's now 16 and, and has found the guitar in a way that I think he'll be the one that wants to go down and pursue a career in music. For him to see that it's it's it doesn't just fall out of the sky you know that it takes work and uh for him to see that i think that was enlightening you know and i think that that was cool and and getting in touch with my older kids on a deeper level forget about work but just personally my eldest is 27 and and, and she's a girl and so is my baby girl you know going into a next phase of her life and uh and, and forget the the, the cartoon Oh yeah, that boy comes to my house. We'll see. <laughs> I had to get past all of those things and embrace her as a young woman that can make her own decisions and with a wonderful young man and all those kind of stuff. So it, it's good. It's really good. It's just built the bonds. You mentioned your son and, and picking up the guitar. Mine, out of boredom, has finally done the same thing. He's picked up guitar and I walked in his room the other day and I found lyrics written out for the first time. And he's learning three chords you know and it's that's that's a fun moment right there i know how that's like now yeah it's great and remind him that all you need is is three chords in fact you could probably get by on two <laughs> don't 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 worry about it let it come just have some fun with it and it's the closest thing you'll ever know to immortality writing mm -hmm. a song you know the magic of a song regardless of it if, if it's heard by the masses or not it'll live forever and that's that's the beautiful thing about songs yeah. become a uh, time travel you know that's that's our time machines right there yes that's always you know how we connect with them in the past while we're on the subject of guitar there was one moment in this record that i i was listening to it and it's sort of it's second or third time i had it on but it was you know in the background by this point and i was looking at it, it was blood in the water and i thought that guitar that's going on sounds so close to the mark knopfler sound of guitar and then you follow it with a song called Brother in Arms. And I thought, is that a coincidence? Because that's really, Brother in Arms is not a cover, by the way, but it's just so close. The title is, is, is certainly was done by him. And I was, well, let me first say, yes, Knopfler and Dire Straits were high on my list of uh, favorite bands growing up. In fact, I, I remember at one point in my life, absolutely number one. You know, the, so the feel of, of a Knopfler character like that, yes. And then the title 
of Brothers in Arms on another song, I was aware of their most commercially successful record. But on, on the other hand, I knew I had the verses. And when that lyric came out of my mouth, I was like, hmm, this could be a problem. Until I looked up the, the dictionary definition and it was the shared common experience. And I said, ah, no, I can defend the position because it, it, it typically in war, but the shared common experience. And as I was using it for life, I said, no, I can defend this, the, the, the slogan brothers in arms, you know? And, uh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. My influence are definitely felt throughout this record. Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have Bowie, who's over your shoulder there to, to, to Dire Straits, to John Fogarty, to, you know, to the Beatles, to Bruce, to, sure. Anyone who doesn't say they had influences is a, is a liar. <laughs> you you haven't done the, the full on covers record like a lot of artists would at this point. What, what's kept you from doing one of those? I write enough. You know, I write enough. Um, I did some Christmas covers for something to do on the weekend. And I enjoy playing the odd cover with either the band or with the Kings of Suburbia or something like that. But when you, I'm fortunate enough to, to keep writing. They keep coming. And again, they're, they're, they're great songs and they still sound great too. That's another thing notice, I, I was noticing as I was kind of listening to this record, and of course, going back and listening to some favorites, like, you know, there are a lot of artists who are very guilty of the songs have a hard time being timeless because of the production from the eighties and, and even the nineties. And while, you know, you might feel that a little bit, uh, you know, here and there, do you think about that when you're writing a new record, like as far as what it needs to sound like, like how do I make sure that it doesn't stay stamped, you know, in whatever the sound of 2020 becomes? I think that that when I hear records on the radio that Bob Clear Mountain and that that gated snare drum, you know, who who mixed two songs on this record, you know, who I used to fetch coffee for 40 years ago, you know, you hear those sounds and you go, oh yeah, that's 1984. You know, I think that John Shanks and I are very cognizant of staying current, but also trying to be timeless. And again, you know, because I'd be lying if I didn't say when you listen to Slippery When Wet, there's a timeless bigness to the sound of that record that we've been chasing ever since. And I can't get. I think it's just the room. I think it's the openness of the recording. I think it was the analog tape. I think it was the the simplicity of those records. You know, because by Keep the Faith, we were digital and a hundred tracks deep of bullshit, bullshit, bullshit that we were putting on top of, on top of, on top of, because technology allowed for it. And then by the time 2020 comes along, I was real quick in the studio when we were with the mixer and saying my words to shanks were put that in the van put that in the van i guess <laughs> because it ain't going on the record <laughs> go load it back in the van and we would just take tracks and strip them away and strip them away and strip them away i says if, if i can't do this live it ain't making the record you know i don't care how many digital tracks you think you've got put it in the van you know, because what, what I'm trying to do is make a record that'll sound good in 10 years from now. And again, it breaks my heart because you're listening on a pair of speakers that cost less than a penny to make. And I spent two years of my life trying to make that record. 
And those damn air buds are they're built like yuck. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't listen to your record in these right no, here. Fair but enough. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. But my God, you know, I mean, we kill ourselves to make records. Mm -hmm. And you got to go to the studio and you got to have the room sound and this microphone and blah, blah, blah. And then guess what? You know, Jane is listening to him on air, earbuds that Apple gave her, or she's got one secure behind the couch and one up on a bookshelf. You know, so you sober up when you're making a record and you go, <laughs> I know how these records are being listened to. And it's heartbreaking and the compression on different radio stations and in your car. And, you know, it's, it's all a series of compromises. And we all yearned for the old days when they sounded like X and Y, but it is, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. You know, you're just trying to get the message across at this point. Yeah. My, uh, my actual sound system is a very old school, old speakers, you know, old dial equalizers, you know, all that upstairs that I try to listen to it on. But uh, I, I would love to hear a lot of my favorite records as the artist intended, because, because it's not obvious. You, you, you accept what you're given, you know, in any given situation without even thinking about it. If I, and I can go on and on and on, but if I were in a studio, like we were mixing this album and you're, you're intently listening with your eyes closed, standing in the center of the two speakers. And then there were days where I was getting a mix, like when we had Clear Mountain mix American Reckoning and do what you can, he was 3000 miles away. So now I'm back in New Jersey and I have to re remember that the the Apple computer that is translating a different song to me than is in Clear Mountain's control room right now. And even though it's coming through some great speakers, what's coming through my mixer, which is nothing but a little, you know, eight channel mixer in my office and my Apple computer are gonna be compromised. No one's ever hearing the pure sound other than the guy that had his ear between the two speakers that was mixing it. Yeah. And it's it's a bitch, but it's a series of compromises and that's how records truly you know, are made at the end of the day. I wanna uh, quickly ask about uh, another side of your career and that's the acting because uh, you know they're, they're about to reboot um, Sex and the City, which you had a very infamous cameo appearance in for one of the episodes. Mm -hmm. What was it like playing that character? So maybe against type of your own personality I, I i barely remember it you know when i when i did it, it it was an episode of a show that was um just starting its second season and i have to be honest i'd never watched the first one you know i think it was a, a big show with with ladies and hbo and i i wasn't really familiar um so i i didn't get caught up in any, in any of the hoopla i just went and did the job in retrospect there's a lot of things that i did an episode of which were fun you know in in retrospect they were all calling cards for my trying to get bigger roles in movies and uh and i enjoyed the medium immensely um and it really helped me grow as an artist it, for for a number of reasons it taught you humility you know because the folding chair waiting for the audition in the room where they judged you before you even said a word to um to the opportunity to grow in something that was new to you, but in essence still was the arts. And then taking that humility back to the band was really instrumental for me at a time when we could use it. Coming out of the 80s and my doing Young Guns and then grunge happening really helped my band be stronger as a, as a unit. Because I could go back there with all the experience and success of Slippery and Wet in New Jersey and then even Blaze of Glory as a transition into Keep the Faith, 
because that humility of the rejection of the audition and yet learning the craft and learning about the classic plays and what have you that gave me so much more subject matter to write about. It, it was a very, very useful tool. And then, you know, it, it bit me when Hollywood said to me, if you're going to take this seriously, you should spend more time on it. And I said, well, my day job is still pretty great. Uh, I think that I have to, if I have to choose, it's going to be that. And so, you know, I stopped making movies and the quality of the film I was being offered was lesser and lesser. And, you know, so I, I chose music, but I can't say enough about it because the medium is, is, is magical. Well, it's fun seeing you even popping up in those little moments like, you know, later on, of course, West Wing to me is the greatest television show of all time. And, you know, you've got a spot in that. Yeah, West Wing or, or 30 Rock and things like that yeah. that I did it, that... Yeah, they were fun. They were, they were, I loved doing an episode like that, trying to get another movie, mm -hmm. you know? And then, uh, like I said, you know, the day job was just more powerful at the end of the day. You know, the creation was, was probably the most important aspect of the it, because otherwise you're waiting in that folding chair and it was like waiting for the phone to ring, you know, that, that was tough. Well, I am happy that you've continued the music and I'll pull it all the way back around because this record 2020 is a powerful statement. Uh, where you've taken yourself in your career. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just the best. And John, thank you so much for continuing to do that. Thank you, pal. I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. My thanks to John Bon Jovi. The brand new record is called 2020. Thanks to you again for checking out this episode. Please, before you get out, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from so you can keep up with all of the interviews that we put out. Three interviews every single week to keep up with all of your favorite artists. Discover some new ones. Know what's happening in the music world. Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcast, YouTube for the video version of this one right here or anywhere you get your podcasts from. After that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, and lots of really fun themes. Again, that's a Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound, they've got your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. Would love for you to follow, like, do all of that so you can keep up with what I'm doing over there as well. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Man, my walls were wall-to-wall -wall pictures from Circus and Cream and, you know, all that mm -hmm. stuff. And you, the centerfolds from Circus was life. I should do that to my wife now. I should put that all up in my... <laughs> I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org, from Louisville Public Media.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. 